Um, but right now I want to turn, we're going to jump into to, to our, our, our message. We, we, on Sundays, have been looking at 1 Corinthians. Um, we're in a series called Messy Church. And um, last week, uh, I'm sorry that last week was uh, more dense than we normally do. Uh, there was just no other way around it. Uh, actually, I'm not sorry. Sometimes you just have to, you know, Scripture is amazing, but it's not always easy. And so last week, if you were here or listen to the message, we really, really dug deep into to some of the, some, what, the, what it was saying because there was just a lot of cultural uh, context that we had to get through. Um, this week uh, is not so, not so that. It's a much more straightforward kind of passage or um, issue that Paul is addressing. We're calling the series, series Messy Church because we're looking at the church of 1 Corinthians and the, the Corinthian church had a lot of messes. It was the first time uh, church had ever been done, right? <laughs> Jesus had, had just died and these are the first generation Christians trying to figure this thing out. And, um, and there was a lot of questions to answer and there was a lot of culture, um, cultural ideas that had to, to congeal and, and there was a lot of decisions that had to be made on how this group was gonna live and operate together. And so Corinthians is, is, is largely a book of dealing with those issues, ironing out, coming together, Paul, helping the church there figure out how, how do we live together? How do we worship together? How do we, how do we serve together? All these things. Um, and, and so today we're in 1 Corinthians, the second part of chapter 11. Um, uh, Last week, we looked at the first part of chapter 11, which talks a lot about headship and family dynamics. Um, And we're not going to go back into that. Uh, And then in verse 17, he moves on. Paul moves on to another another mess, another issue he he needs to to clarify. And so that's where we're going to pick up today. but first, let's just, let's just uh, invite the Lord's presence into his, his word. God, we, we thank you for um, your word. We thank you for giving it to us. We, we ask, Holy Spirit, would you give us minds to, to, to receive what you want to say through your word? Um, God, we, we, we thank you for your presence. Um, amen. Okay. Uh, verse 17 says, but in the following instructions, I cannot praise you. That's, it's not the best translation. It kind of gets clunky in the translation. Uh, Paul is shifting into a new topic and, and he's kind of sarcastically saying, okay, now we're going to talk about something where you really screwed up. That's basically what that, (laughs) what that phrase means. I cannot praise you. You done messed up. And then he's going to explain how they messed up for. It sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. Ouch. That's not good. Uh, Verse 18. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. And to some extent, I believe it. But of course there must be divisions among you so that you have so so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. That's kind of a weird thought that he, he's saying, uh, of course, there must be divisions among you. And and he, he's not saying that as if it's a good thing or that God caused the division. But he's saying it's the natural um outflowing of some of their attitudes and their behaviors, the things that, you know, we're in chapter 11, that things that he's been addressing for the last 10, 10, uh, 
10 chapters or so. Uh, And so he says, of course, there's going to be divisions, but God is going to use that. One of the things he he does is when there's division, when there's conflict, it it serves as a way to, uh, uh, how do you put it, show who has God's approval. Okay, and what, what does that mean? Well, it, it, the cream rises to the top, right? It's the way to show who, who, who is walking in the spirit, who is following Jesus, and who's just coming to church. Who, who is actively pursuing and being transformed by, by Jesus' image and responding to situations in the way Jesus would, and who is just coming to church and looking for fire insurance, um, and you guys know what fire insurance is. It's, you know, spiritual fire insurance. Like, I'm a Christian because I just don't want to go to hell. Um, that's, that's, that's fire insurance. And, and, and that, is, that is an aspect of following Jesus. But it is, not, it is not the aspect of following Jesus. It's not even half of what it means to follow Jesus. And um, so Paul is, is kind of starts this out by saying, you know, the, calling out this issue that there, there's these divisions and, and, and there's a purpose that God is using in this and that's to separate, separate and, and kind of show people themselves a little bit. This term he uses about, uh, let's see, so that you have God's approval uh, will be recognized. That, that word approved there, it's actually a metallurgical term. It, it's uh, the term, the same term they use when, when you're burning metal to, to purify it. Um, you know, when you, you heat up gold or whatever, the imperfections kind of rise to the top and it gets that like crusty stuff and they scrape it off. And then once it cools, it's a pure metal. It's the same, it's the same word there. That's kind of the, and Paul uses that word because he's trying to draw this imagery that that's, that's what happens in these, when, when this conflict happens, when, when Jesus will use these situations to, to let those imperfections rise to the top and Paul is, is confronting them, he's dealing with them so they can swipe them off. So the end result is that you have a pure form of whatever it is, in this case, a community. See, division, conflict is, is not good you know, we should avoid um, unnecessary conflict and we should certainly try and avoid division. But in the Lord's hands, it can be used for a good purpose. And he will. God, you know, um, Romans, all things work together for good. God will use everything, in, including our own, um, our own mistakes, our own bad choices, our own divisions to, to highlight them so he can eliminate them so, so we can all mature. Um, moving on, verse uh, 20, he says, and, and now Paul's going to kind of get into what the problem is. He's called them out, um, and, and now he's going to kind of elaborate what the problem is. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you, hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. Interesting church service. I don't know that. I, I have to be honest. I've never been in that service. Uh, I don't. I don't know if, if you have, but uh, I've never been in that service. But but it was happening. Remember, this is they didn't have a church building. Their services weren't formalized. You know, kind of like this. They were they were families coming together and meeting. And and one of the primary ways that they meet, they would come together, and it was called a love feast. 
um, where they would, they would come, they were supposed to come and share a meal together and, and spend time and fellowship together and then remember the Lord and take communion together. But that's, they, they were doing it, but then they weren't really doing it right. And that's what Paul is addressing. Um, and a couple things in, in, in this, he, he, I, I think it's interesting. You know, we call it the Lord's Supper. Right. And Paul's basically challenging them, say, hey, you are treating the Lord's Supper like it's your meal. And it's not. It is the Lord's Supper. It's his. He sets the rules. He sets the agenda. It has to be done his way. And he's the one that gets to dictate how it goes. And if it's not uh, if it's not his way, it's not his will. You're, You're doing it wrong if you're not doing it the way he wants it done. Now. Since the Corinthians was written, the church has argued about about what the right way is, right? You know, especially when it comes to to, to sacraments like baptism and and communion and these sorts of things. Um, those tend to happen when we we get focused on the wrong thing. I'm not here to advocate, you know, uh, you know how much you have to sip or what the right way is to dip. I'm not, that's, not what we're, that's not what Jesus was focused on. That's not what Paul was focused on. He's, he was largely focused on the heart behind the action. Last week, we talked a lot about um, the difference between the, un, the importance of understanding your, uh, the expression of what you do um, matters if you have an understanding for why you're doing it. Right, and, and and this is kind of the same thing that Paul is addressing. They're they're have they're coming together for the Lord's Supper, but but their hearts weren't right, and so the way they were expressing it wasn't wasn't pretty. It wasn't it wasn't God honoring. But what were they doing though? So bad. It, he he says some are eating. Um, they were eating all the food and drinking all the wine before others got there, um, and this would have been. Um, Normal to the culture. That's part of why Paul's addressing it. Because a, a lot of a lot of New Testament church and today is is God setting up His kingdom, and pretty much a, a really trustworthy rule is if, if if everybody around you is doing something, as follower of Jesus, we're probably going to be doing something else. Right, because that's pretty much what the way Jesus has set this thing up. Uh, that we are to be uh, a city, a light on a hill. We're supposed to be set apart. That's what holy means, right? And and one of the ways he does that is just he creates for us a very different set of uh, life experiences, different ways to live, different ways to do just about everything. Um. It was common in, in that culture that certain people, mostly the mainly the, the rich and the, the powerful, um, the wealthy, the, the well-established, would always eat first. Why? Because, because the lower class was the one that had to cook the food and they still had work to do, right? And so the, 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 more, the more wealthy, well-established would come in and they would eat. And, and then eventually, once the servants were done with all their stuff or the lower class came in from the fields, then they could get a chance to, to eat what was left. And, and we see here in the, the, the church had, had started to adopt or can brought this into to the the church service to the this this feast that's supposed to be representing the new kingdom and the new way of doing things 
and it was not, it, it was not pleasing to, to the Lord. They were eating the way culture did. Um, and Paul is, Paul is trying to reinforce this reality that, that we are all equal at the foot of the cross. Every one of us, it doesn't matter how much money you make or don't make, it doesn't matter how, how smart you are or how much education you have, we are all equal at the foot of the cross. And he kind of helps them to understand this in verse 22. He says, what? Don't you have homes of your own for eating or drinking? Or, or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I will certainly not praise you for this. That's Paul really giving it to him. Just loses something in its English translation. Uh, he, he, why is he so worked up about this? Well, for one, there's just a practical thing. The people that needed to eat the most were having the least opportunity. The people that had plenty of food in their fridge, the people that had plenty of wine in, in their, well, I guess they didn't have fridges, but you know what I mean, in their houses, <laughs> were eating all the food because, and not because they were necessarily hungry, but because that was what you did if you had privilege. You ate first and you ate as much as you could. Notice how serious this is. Notice Paul, Paul cares more about the fact that they weren't waiting than he does about the fact that they were getting drunk. Now, I'm not saying that that's an endorsement. <laughs> this is not a verse you can point to and, and say, see, it's fine. No, that's not that. That's. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is Paul's focus. He's saying that wasn't even the worst part of it. He's like, I'm not even going to deal with that right now. We have a bigger fish to fry. We got to deal with this community, this unity thing. Saying we've got to come together. We've got to, we have to uh, make sure that we are all equal and we are expressing our love to each other, especially at the Lord's table, especially the Lord's Supper. The whole point of this thing is to remember Jesus so that we can live like him. And so we, how can we live like him out there if we can't even remember him in a way that aligns with who he was? Chapter 23 says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. So he's gonna, he's about to go in a section, he's gonna remind them about what this, what the Lord's Supper is supposed to be about. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks for it and he broke it in pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this is the, this is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Communion is remembering the cost to Jesus for your relationship with him. That's, that's the point of this table. It's the point of this meal. Communion is also testifying to your belief and your commitment in that life, that death, that resurrection, and that authority in your life. 
The Lord's, the purpose of communion, the purpose of the Lord's Supper is, is a test, it's a way that we testify that we are aligning ourselves and say, and we say, yes, I believe in that Jesus. I believe he did what, what, what the Bible claims that he did. He said what the Bible says he said. He was who the Bible says he was. And I am living my life as, as that, as the, my North Star and guiding principle. In verse 27, he says, so anyone who eat, he gives a warning. He says, anyone who eats this bread, drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. It's another reason why the communion table is, is so important. It is designed to be um, uh, an evaluation for us. It, it's, a, it's supposed to be something in the rhythm in our, of our life that, that whenever this comes, we know we are going to have the opportunity or it's going to force us to examine ourselves, to see where we're, where we're at spiritually, to, to remember things that we need to remember and to, to evaluate and deal with things that we, we maybe need to evaluate and deal with. What do we need to examine? Well, there's a couple things. There's, well, before we come to the table, we need to see if, if there's any repentance that we need to do. Is there sin in our lives that we've never repented of recently? We need to examine to see, is there any forgiveness that we need to extend the Bible talks a lot about the importance of, of forgiveness. And there's, there's verses that even talk about how, how the forgiveness you want to receive from the Lord has a connection to the forgiveness you're willing to give. Jesus tells um, stories about, about you know, two people in debt and, and uh, the guy who owes like a million dollars gets forgiven. And then he goes out and finds a guy who owes him like five bucks and he pins him against the wall and says, where's my, you know, where's my five bucks? <laughs> and he has him thrown in jail because he doesn't have the five dollars. And when, when, when the rich guy that forgave the other guy hears about it, he goes to him and says, I, I forgave you a million dollars. You're going to throw that guy in jail for, for five bucks? Okay, fine. I see how it is. You can join him. And Jesus told that story to help us understand how serious he is about forgiveness. He is, he, he, God the Father sent his son into one of these ridiculous skin suits to live with all us idiots so that he could show us how to live and then be killed by us so he could raise from the dead so that he could pay for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And now we want to turn around and say, well, I know he did all that and I love the fact that he forgave me, but I don't know about this guy over here. He still, he still owes me. He still owes me because he said that thing or he did that thing or he hurt me or he stole my, my whatever. 
If we're going to follow Jesus, we, we give what we've talked a lot, a lot about the last couple weeks, giving up our rights. One of our rights that we give up when we submit ourselves to Jesus is the right uh, to hold a grudge. The right to not forgive. Is there anyone you need to forgive? And then another examination is, is, uh, is gratitude. Is gratitude present? Are you, are you grateful for the gift of the table that you're, you're, you're approaching? Um, and and that's, that's, that's a hard one um, sometimes, you know. And, and, and it's okay, you know, we don't, we have tough moments and we're not all always happy-go-lucky, but that doesn't mean we can't be appreciative. It doesn't mean we can't come with the, with the understanding and, and intentionally choose to say, I'm going to focus, I'm going to make sure that in my mind and in my heart, I am coming to this understanding that I don't deserve how good this is. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you have to be happy-go-lucky. It doesn't mean there can't be things weighing on you. but we should have gratitude. And we need to examine ourselves to see if, if, is there an act of obedience that we need to take? Is there something specific that we should, we know God has asked us to do or we should be doing that we are not? Um, and this is kind of tied to repentance, but it's a little different in that there's a specific act that, that we need to do. And, and sometimes it's not to say that, you know, you don't, you can't come take communion if you, if, you know, if there's something that you, you know, oh, I didn't, I, I know I'm supposed to pray, uh, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to pray 20 minutes a day, but I, I only prayed once this week. Like, it doesn't mean you can't, you can't take communion. But the examination, we should reflect and, and acknowledge it in that moment. And commit and, and, and set our hearts to, to, to obey moving forward. The communion table is designed to be a, a fresh start and a reset. And then the final thing is, is and it's the, it's, I think it's the most important because it's the one that Jesus and Paul says twice in in their instructions, in their explaining of the Lord's table. And that's simply this, to remember. To remember what Jesus did. To remember what it cost him. To remember what he's done specifically for you and through you and in you. Remember how he came to you. Remember who you were before you, you met him and gave your life to him. Remember the provision. Remember the times that he has showed himself faithful. Remember the, the, the struggle that you went through that, that, that he, he saved you from. Remember the, the, the addiction that he brought you out of. Remember the, 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 the freedom that he brought, the understanding that he brought, the, the, the courage or the, the whatever. What has, jo- what has Jesus done to you, through you, in you, for you? The table is designed to make us remember. And we, we, we need to do this. This is not... The, the, the communion table is, is not something that we're supposed to, to take lightly or, or do without intentionality. So much so that, that Paul is, you know, these verses, he's, he's literally warning them. 
Verse 29, he says, for if you, if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Listen to this. That, that is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. You think this isn't, isn't a, a big deal? God uses communion as a, a central point of connection and evaluation Without that, we're just doing a religious activity. And that's what Paul is trying to combat. This is not, listen, we are not, um, Christianity is not voodoo, right? Voodoo, <laughs> that sounds obvious, obvious right? But, but sadly, sometimes we cross over into this, this mystical kind of um, manipulative, spiritual manipulation where we think it's this transactional thing where, where like in voodoo, I do this thing and it, and it compels the God to do the thing that I want him to do. Right, the, you get the voodoo doll, and you, you do the right ritual, and, and, and then it compels, it makes the God do the thing. That is not that is not Christianity. That is that is not Christianity. We we our God is is big, <laughs> and He's sovereign, and He does everything that that He wants to do, and there is nothing you can do to make Him do something. It's important that we, we understand that difference. That communion, the, the taking, just eating this cracker and eating this, this grape juice in and of itself isn't going to make God do a thing. Isn't going to change a, a thing unless there is intention and your heart and your mind and your will behind it making an expression through it. Connecting with him. And in that case, it makes all the difference in the world. And so we're going to take communion today. Spoiler alert. I'm sure you probably are totally blindsided by that. <laughs> we're going to take communion in just a couple of minutes. Um, but first, I want to, we're going to do a couple of things. And... Um, before that, I want us to one. I want to give you an opportunity to take time to to do what Paul said to take time to examine your life. Um, yeah, Jeff, you want to come on up and do some noodling? That would be great. Um, and so we're gonna uh, put up some 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 questions, and um, I'm just gonna take a few minutes and, and give you an opportunity to to do an, an evaluation. So here, the first question is simply this. Do you need to confess any sin this morning? Search your heart. Ask the Lord to, to search your heart. The, you know, King David, I love how, you know, he, he, King David was just so good at like openly, honestly praying all of the things. He would just, I mean, the Psalms is just him like verbally vomiting his emotions. And we get to kind of see how that works. And one of the things he, he does is he regularly asks God to examine him and show him the things that he needs to confess. That's a, that's a good place to start. 
do you need to confess any sins? Just take a minute and, and think about it. And if, if, if you do, then, then confess it. Repent. Ask for forgiveness. Admit it. Ask the Lord to cover that. question is who do you need to forgive could be a could be a big thing that you've struggled with for a, a, a long time sometimes forgiveness is a process and we have to choose to forgive over and over and over again till our till our, our emotions and our thoughts kind of catch up with our spirit um, but who do you need to forgive Maybe it's something small from someone that, that you, you know, if you're married and you haven't forgiven your spouse this week, you need to, you need to forgive your spouse this week because that's the way this works. <laughs> Who do you need to forgive? Listen, it's not about them earning or deserving your forgiveness. It's also not about having to trust them again or let them even back in your life again. Those are separate. That's, that's restoration. That's not forgiveness. They're two separate things. Is there anything the Lord has been asking you to do you've been dragging your feet on? <laughs> is he calling you to spend more time with him? Is he challenging you to, to be faithful and start, maybe start, start giving, uh, giving financially to, to him? Is it The habit that he, you know, he, he's leading you to start or stop. Maybe it's giving your life to him. You know, maybe you're here today and, and um, if you're honest, you say, I've, I've never, I've never actually, I don't, I wouldn't say that I've ever, I've, I've ever been a follower of Jesus. I've never, I've never committed to, to give my life to him. I've never asked him to forgive me of, of my sins. I've never um, confessed that I believe that, that Jesus is God and that, that he, he died for my sins. If that's you, you can do that this morning. 
You can start that, that, that relationship th- this morning. And, and it's just by, just by that, just simple prayer. Just Jesus, I want to know you. I want, I want you to, to be the Lord of my life. I recognize that I am, I am broken and less than and not worthy. Would you forgive me? Make me your son and daughter. Just something like that. It's no formula. <laughs> and maybe, maybe there's somebody here that's uh, you're not even you're not even there. I mean, there may be some of you here that you're just you know you're here. Uh, somebody invited you, or I don't know, the bus, your car broke down. You're just looking to get in out of the rain. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but there's another prayer, you know, if this is just, you're just interested, this is, you know, if you just be on, be honest with yourself, you know, if, if that's not where you're at, if you're not ready for that kind of commitment or not that God hasn't, 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 uh, persuaded you to that point, that's, that's fine. I, I trust him. <laughs> He'll get you there. <laughs> but would you consider starting with this prayer, prayer of invitation, just you can just say, like, God, if you're, if you're real, show yourself to me. Or just wherever you're at. God, if, I want to believe, but it just doesn't, it's not clicking right now. Would you, would you show me? Would you convince me? Would you persuade me? We, we, God is so humble and Jesus loves us so much that he even honors those kinds of, those kinds of questions those kinds of requests, that kind of honesty, which is amazing to me because if I was God of the universe and, and had done all that I had done for, 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 for a, this little human um, and, and that human is, is, is saying, well, I'm just not that impressed. Can you, can you show me something else? I, I would have a much different reaction. So be grateful that I'm not God. Because his reaction is, he sees the opportunity in it, and he will he will pursue you. You can count on that. So, so if that wherever you're at, just invite the Lord to 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 get involved in your life. Be open to to Him speaking to you, to leading you, to Him revealing Himself to you. And then the final one is, uh, what has Jesus done in your life? This is remember. Reflect on his sacrifices. Let it stir up gratitude in your heart. What has he forgiven you from? What has he saved you from? What has he set you free from? We're gonna take communion in just a couple minutes, but I did want to just give give us an opportunity to do just to do just that do that last one. 
Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to come up and confess your sins. <laughs> I do want to give us an opportunity to encourage each other with our own remembrances. And so the question is the, is the last one. What has Jesus done in your life? What has he set you free from? What has he, what has he provided for you? How has he shown himself faithful? Um, we're just going to take a few minutes and the, 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 mic, the mic's open. And I want to encourage you to, 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 to come up and, and, and share. Just short, 30 seconds, one minute. Um, so we have opportunity for for multiple people. Um, so yeah, go for it. ago for those who were praying out there you already know what I'm about to say probably maybe not but when uh, when I was getting my car repaired while it was uh, in the shop I was I was hoping to God that he would help me with uh, with my financial struggle through it and when I uh, when I got my car back, I was grateful because um, I've uh, the whole time I was praying to him, hoping for everything to work out, and sure enough, it did. And I was thanking God that everything worked out. My car looks good now, well, mostly, <laughs> and yeah, so. Once again, God has solidified my faith. And every day I'm, I'm grateful for everything he does. Even, even though that I don't tell him I'm grateful, I, I am grateful deep down because of everything that he's done for me. up here in response to is there anything that God has asked you to do and you haven't so this is part of that just speaking with God urges you to speak or encourage when God urges you to encourage someone um, so that's and just God has been faithful um, when there's times when you don't know where um, finances are coming or prayers or encouragement God comes through and to me um, in numerous ways, numerous times, um, down to when my children were younger, my grandmother, she, she didn't believe in um, Christmas gifts and birthday gifts and all that type of stuff. But one day she was just like, you need another car. And I'm like, yeah, I know. She's like, well, go pick one, I'll get it. I'm like, what? So just, just that matter of fact, like no, you know, just, 
And it's like, that had to be God, because there's no way she, she would be urged to do such a thing. And just providing meals and food and encouragement and health of my children. And just sometimes prayers when you're like, Lord, why? When you lose loved ones and you ask for healing, you don't see it. But the Lord lets you know that they're healed. And it's not in a way that we see it or receive it. But you know that they're okay. And you know that God is even faithful with that. So even when you pray and you don't see the answers or results that you hope for or pray for, God still encourages you and keeps you going and blesses you in all situations. God is still working that out. But he also building me up. So I am so grateful for that. I thought it would just kind of go away, but it didn't go away. I got a call as of this month, June the 21st. I will have an immediation meeting over the phone with this guy and myself. But I know God is letting me know he's still working it out. He's going to take care of me. And I am so grateful. He's showing it every day. I was led to go get my will in order, if that's what it takes. But in my heart, in my heart, if I lived, if I died today, which is our last time on earth, I know I'll be with him. I'll be with him. So it doesn't matter, because this person has walked up to me, tried to intimidate me. Do you have a gun? Show me his gun. I didn't answer the question. Because you don't need to know what God has given me to do whatever with. But he got many angels that encamp round about us to protect us. And I trust him in that. I didn't answer the question. And then he had the nerve to say in my face while I was trying to fix my fence. He said, when you die, I'm going to buy your house. I say that's all in God's hands. We serve a living and a live God. And ain't nothing, if you would go to him and ask him, he will do for you if you stay in his divine will. He is good at doing that. I am so grateful, and today he showed me that more and more. Whatever you do, don't let go of God's hands. Don't ever let go. I don't care what it looks like. The devil is alive. We serve a living and a live God. I just got to thank the Lord because been walking with him almost 53 years and it's just when you think that God still sticks with you that long (laughs) all the things that you you know it's true we are messy you know but and he doesn't want us there he doesn't want us to stay there but he's been so faithful to me just with me 
in everything that has ever maybe come against me or been good. I know that God's been with me and he's been just so faithful. And that's, I think about that all the time. He's just faithful and I want to be faithful to him. So there you go. encounter as for actual praying for somebody that I felt last night well Saturday I tweaked my back really bad and I can hardly move last night um, I think somehow my mom got got notice that a guy was laying out in the middle of the field and so there's a neighbor, and she called 911, and the guy was drunk or passed out and drunk, and he was Spanish. And when I got the news, I, with me not tweaking my back and not being able to move, I moved right outside, out downstairs with my cane, and, and I was moving like nothing. And then after I I actually prayed for him. I put my hand out and prayed for him. <laughs> then I got back and got back in the house and the adrenaline was amazing. <laughs> and then I felt God's power in me all the, the whole night after I prayed for him. I didn't even know him. At all, and, and the EMS was trying to find any neighbor and knew of him or knew what he was. He spoke Spanish. Praise the Lord. Many of you have heard this before, but it's a promise I made to God that anytime I have the opportunity to say what He's done for me, I don't miss it. I say it. Yeah. So two, three years ago, I was diagnosed of stage three breast cancer. And through it all, God has sent me through. Went through all the treatment, chemo, radiation, surgery, and other chemos. But here I am standing here as a testimony to what God can do. After all that, the devil never gives up on us. There was a time I was at work and suddenly had a hip pain, I couldn't walk. And I had to go do an MRI on my left hip. I went and came back, everything was okay. But the right hip that I did not do any MRI on, they said they saw something in there. So my, doc my doctors were thinking maybe the cancer has spread there. I know I have a father who has never fooled me. So I took it back to him. And truly, I was honest, I was scared, honestly, going for the MRI. I'm like, God, you've seen me through all this. This is not happening again. And to the glory of God, I went and what they saw, it 
was nothing. <laughs> that was not all. Just last week, there was another scare. Common, normal garlic and lemon juice that I normally take. I've been taking this over the years. Just last week, I took it and I have, I had an anaphylactic reaction to it, which was really bad. But through this too, he has seen me through. I'm still standing here strong and healthy. This is to tell everybody here, if only you are faithful to him, just trust him. He said we should come unto him, bring your burdens to him, and he will take care of it. Let us not be as those, I was told there was one day somebody was giving a, a lift or a ride. The fellow entered the car and was holding onto his or her luggage while sitting down. Most Christians, we behave like that. We know God is everything. We come to him, but we are still holding onto our burdens. Leave it there. That was what he said. Leave it at my feet and he will take care of it. This is what God has done for me. And any chance I get, I keep on telling people of what he's done. Praise to his name. I'm going to speak on that last one. You know, many years ago, uh, I turned my back on God. And uh, I was in throes of addiction wasn't trustworthy. Even my own family wouldn't trust me. Once I turned my focus back on God and listening to his suggestions for me and trying to follow those on a daily basis, you know, I, I got I got my family back and I gained a family. I uh, became employed, employable and employed. And uh, I started to regain trust and respect. This year, God graced me with being able to attend a national conference this past April. I was one of 93 people representing all of Canada and the United States at that conference. This past week, I've been blessed with uh, even my job, getting even more responsibility and... uh, you know, it's not anything that I could have done without God's help. And, uh, you know, I'm just so grateful that I'm able to give back. Thank you. Praise the Lord. First, I want to thank God for the salvation of my soul. Because I appreciate God. Because where I was coming from, where I am now and to the glory of God where he's taking me to I give God the glory I just want to thank God because he's a faithful God sometimes we are not but he's still faithful he has done all for me even those ones that I cannot see physically I know he has done it spiritually and I say thank you Lord I thank God for the wedding ceremony of my daughter that we did like two weeks ago in this church. I've done a lot of wedding before, my own, my sister Junior's one, and this is the third of my 
children that I celebrated. And this one was the most expensive out of all. Yes, I will not lie. This one is the most expensive out of all. All others wedding, I'll be like, oh my goodness, running everywhere. My heart will be pounding. I will, I'm still a Christian. I believe God will provide. But sometimes I want to do it on my own, carry everything upon my shoulder. But I give God the glory for this one. Because the beginning of this year, I pray to God. And I have a watchword for myself. I said this year is going to be my year of peace and joy. To the glory of God, I experience it. I don't know. I said this is the most expensive wedding that I have done. But not me. Because God show up in every situation. Even before I said everything, I don't even ask for People will be calling me, what can we do? What do you want us to bring? Every, I don't, even somebody that I don't even expect that, uh-uh, this person, they said they must be part of it. So my, my shoulder was like very light. I give glory to God. I thank God because it's a faithful God. To God be the glory, hallelujah. Thank you, the church of God. I bless God for your life. Thank you for your Christ is king, right? So um, growing up, um, I was an absolute heathen. Um, just getting in all types of trouble. It's kind of a grace of God that I even got married to Madeline um, over there. But um, so I've always been surrounded by unbelievers, just friends, and I love them. And some people get called out of those relationships and I just never was. And um, so recently it was kind of like the uh, woman going to the unrighteous God, uh, unrighteous judge, just constantly fervently praying. And uh, that's just how God wants us to pray to him is just, you know, constantly being in prayer. So I was thinking, man, if God can save a heathen like me, he could save my heathen friends. And uh, so I've just been praying for them and casually having conversations about Christ every once in a while. And then out of the blue, one of my best friends just texted me and was just like, hey, I uh, gave my heart to the Lord. And it was like the greatest news ever. And um, then just last weekend, another, these kids, these friends I've had since childhood and um, we were hanging out and all of a sudden he just starts talking to me about like, yeah, I'm like really thinking pretty much about giving my heart to the Lord. He hasn't fully done it, but we just keep having more and more conversations about it. And it's just like, you know, God is so good. So two more best friends to go. So. That is awesome. That is amazing. That is amazing. Sure, we can do one, one more. I was trying to continue to sit in my seat. The goodness of God. I'm 64, and God delivered me from drugs and alcohol January 
12, 2023. I thank you. There is nothing that my God can't do. And I just want to tell anybody that I can encourage, if you have a child, an adult, a young child, give him to God, because God will do it every time. I'm living witness. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, guys. That was amazing. Well, that was, whew. If you're not grateful now, I don't know, I don't know what to, what to, I don't, I don't know what to do for you. Um, <laughs> but we're going to, if you want to stand, uh, we want to, now that our hearts are full and we've, we've examined ourselves, we've, um, we want to we want to take communion, and we're just very simply. I, I want to invite you to 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 come up. Um, you can take it at your. You can take the elements and go back to your seat and take it yourself. Uh, if you want to come up with with if you you know uh, with your family or your couple and 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 take it and and pray at the table um, and, and take it. That's however however you want to do it. We're not super. Uh, um, you know, it's about the expression, not about the steps necessarily. Um, but when you take it, just the, we are remembering. We, we take it, we're observing and being grateful for, for his God's body, for Jesus' body who he allowed to be broken for our sins, his blood that ushers in a new covenant where we have access to him, where we have forgiveness from him, where we have empowerment through him. That's what, that's what we're, we're testifying to when we take the elements. So uh, the tables are open. Feel free to come w when you're ready. Um, and, uh, and then uh, I'll come up and close in prayer in just a few minutes. Go, Randy, go.